Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different, and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format, and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at thecoachesnet. Once again, that is at thecoachesnet. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. One final announcement, guys, before we get to today's show is that I'm delighted to announce that in partnership with Middlesex University, the Amateur Football Alliance, Middlesex and London FA, respectively, that the Coaches Network will be hosting its first live event on Friday, the 1st of April, where I'll be joined by the legendary ex-academy director of West Ham United, Tony Carr. Tony will be joining me to discuss over four decades of youth development with West Ham United and to share some key insights from his upcoming book which will be released on April 11th and to top it off guys anyone that's an FA licensed coach will also be accredited for two hours of CPD in, for their attendance and this is all for only £10. It is an evening not to be missed and to top it off until the 23rd of March we have limited early bird tickets for only £7.50 each so to find out more information or to register your place please head over to Eventbrite or click the link in today's show notes and I hope to see you guys there but enough of my ramble on and on to today's show. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Well, listen, obviously, great question. and. Super excited to unpack some of this stuff with you. It's got me curious throughout the day. Something that I think is an, an often a topic that's mentioned a lot, but not necessarily covered in detail. 
Just wanted to say hello. Looking forward to any questions you've got for us. Yaz, I've got one for you, which was obviously the question's been posed to us around the goalkeeper and whether they should train almost separately or, or with the group type of thing. I'm interested in your thoughts purely because I think the beautiful thing of tonight is that we're both probably coming at it from similar but also different perspectives, right? I mean, you've got perhaps an advantage to me that I don't know if you were a keeper before, but you've done your goalkeeping B licence, haven't you? And you've done goalkeeper training. Yeah, that's so correct. So you've I'm probably sure. got a, a, probably a, a different perspective. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think, you know, as as you said, you know, I've, I've, got, I've got experience working with goalkeepers, uh, both... Um, I've I've played in goal very you know very briefly and we're not at a high level myself but I've worked with some good goalkeepers along across the last few years and I think one of the key things that really come up for me is and just especially when doing the role itself is you know really understanding how much of a difference there is in the disparity there is in a you know almost like a segregation there is for the goalkeepers and the outfield players um, you know so the first kind of thing that really comes up for me in this one is really understanding that actually you know you probably heard the saying before and the goalkeepers are part of the team and not part from the team and you know, it sounds a bit silly but the yeah. I always throw out there as well is you know would you play would you play a match without your goalkeeper would you segregate your goalkeeper in a match um, if you weren't doing a match why would you do it in training do you know what I mean it's interesting you're, I'm actually going to share a, a picture and for anyone who's listening it would be absolutely amazing if you could retweet and just share that you're listening to this conversation and share it with people, if you could do that now, that would be great because at least it will potentially attract more people to to have a listen and, and join this debate. I'm actually going to post something because you've just hit the nail on the head so you'll see some of my notes for tonight. Definitely not all the answers because we're going to unpack that, but one of the phrases I've used is a part of, not apart from. I think for me... Of course, it depends. I mean, there's, there's the role of the keeper is is different. The goalkeeper, and we could probably go on about semantics later around the, that that role as well. But everyone on the football pitch's job is to protect the goal, right? But the goalkeeper, his job is is slightly different in that he's the only player who can use his hands and his whole body. So I think because of that, of course, it depends, and there might be because of that there's that perception that there's got to be this individual one-on-one training with the keeper. But my question would be, how can you integrate? Because for me, integration is absolutely key. So whether they're training separately or they're training with the team, I think it's about how you're training the context. Because often a lot of goalkeeper trainers, they'll do it separately from the team, which is reinforce that message of apart from, not a part of. And I think the danger of that then becomes that they're working in isolation and they're working in compost corners, we talk about in England. They've got a little area. They're doing lots of repetition, lots of bottle handling, catching, whatever it may be, with a with a typical keeper coach. I'm, I'm speaking generally here, but who's typically striking the ball from a stationary position or volleys or he's doing a half volley, or it's always from a similar, you know, the, the jogging through cones, or they're doing something. And actually, how can you integrate the goalkeeper within the team practice? So they're getting ball hand, they're getting ball manipulation, they're getting to work on the feet, 
the receiving and, and catching as well. You could do a positional possession, you could do a, a possession-based practice, but include the keeper as a target player. Include the keeper as someone who can start, get the ball back, play out, start the initiate the attack. If you are doing goalkeeper-specific work, going back to that point where I said context, for me it would be how often do you include defenders or forwards? Because you would never train the team without defenders or attackers in some way, shape or form. And yet a lot of the practices that I see that are done where the keeper trains separately, there's no actual opposition or there's no interference, if you like. You know, so it would be, if you are going to do that, have you got a moving ball? Have you got defenders who are blocking the vision of the goalkeeper? Have you got forwards who are attacking the rebounds? And again, how can you design practices that look like that and resemble that context? Because the keeper has to, among many things, he has to protect the goal, protect the area and protect the space. And that should potentially, you know, influence how you design your practices. But what's your thoughts on, around some of that? Yeah, no, I think some some great points there. I think, you know, context is definitely key. You know, you know it's, it comes back to an age-old discussion I'm always having with coaches, you know, the benefits of unopposed versus opposed practice to an extent. And, and it, just to make clear, when, when I personally speak about opposed practice, I kind of look at it as a spectrum. It's not either all in or nothing, if you like. For me, I, I look at it as almost like a thermostat where, you know, you could dial it up and dial it down in terms of how much interference, how much pressure, how much... How much uh, you know, how much opposition or additional players are within the practice. And I think for me, it's all well and good doing the handling stuff. It's all well and good doing, you know, all these different elements. But actually, if there's no context, how can they make appropriate decisions and, and, and even link those decisions that they're making technically to a game-related aspect? Now, I guess, in, in you know, you talk there about even serving, you know, from stationary positions and things like that. Typically, you know, if you if you generalise, and you know, you've got you've got goalkeeping sessions where they they're receiving volleys, they're receiving half volleys, they're receiving different types of services in that in that way. But actually, when are you ever going to see a game in the or whenever you're going to see in a game situation where a player is able to drop the ball to his feet and then strike a volley at you? It's just not going to happen. So, I think for me. You know, people people will argue, say, well, it gives more repetition. But I think, you know, the reality is you're never really going to get true repetition because every single service is going to give is slightly different. Every single every single save that a goalkeeper is going to make is slightly different because of that service is different. So, you know, even if it's a minute thing of the ball moving from, you know, one central point to two, three centimetres either side of that, you, you've automatically lost your, your repetition, if you like, because the decision now is different for that player and how they've then perceived it. So... I think a large part of it is bringing that context in. I think for me, it's vital, vital for for, for goalkeepers um, as well as outfield players to have practices where they are integrating with one another so that they can clearly understand the pictures that might come up in a game or however you know whatever context they were actually working on. So, I think you know, if I give an example, you know. Doing one v ones, for instance, actually, well, the one v ones with a, with a goalkeeper and out and and a, and a forward coming in actually is going to be heavily impacted on whether there's additional defenders, whether there's whether there's recovery runs being made, and you know these are all additional factors which are going to impact on the player's decision. So, if those factors are not there present, how do you then expect those players to then effectively visualize and you know and apply those messages and those those perceptions into the live context? If that makes sense. No, nah, this is great. I mean, you've literally reinforced 
what what it's interesting how was we're on the same page really because you've reinforced that same message before where for me it is that context and I think you know building on what you said as well it's interesting how you talked about those different scenarios I think it's got to be repetition without repetition and and by that I mean for anyone who's confused repetition with repetition would be that you're training players under the same circumstances the situation doesn't change so if you think about even like a micro detail, it could be that, you know, as we've as you've as me and you have both said, keepers are getting half volleys, they're getting the shot at them, but it's from a stationary ball. Can it not be a moving ball? Can it not be the player taking it out of the feet, or can it not involve interference of some kind, attackers or defenders in front of them, defenders that can react? Can it be that if they're trained on different things, they they're getting a scenario, but it's repeated in different ways, which looks like the game. And then there's that balance between the game and their game, right? But I think, you know, if, if we can find ways to integrate the keeper in the practice that we've both said, that's going to be of added value. Because I think, and again, it comes back to what does that individual need? So if he needs to work on getting opportunities to release the ball and project the attack, whether it's from a side volley or whether it's from a throw. But he also needs to work on his feet. And maybe the throwing is still a great strength of his, but his feet isn't. You could design a phase of play or a possession practice or any kind where he is that player and he's getting that normal attack defence scenario. But when he gets the ball, if he can catch it, intercept it, whatever he may do, does he have an outlet? that if it's on to do so, he can throw the ball high. So he doesn't always have to play short. So again, you're, you're developing that skill. If he's in a possession practice, he's getting those balls being passed back to him. And then even other practices where it can just be throwing and catching. He's developing skills like that. Or it could be he's playing in and he's actually joined in the practice. It doesn't have to be always position-specific type of work. So I think these are all like things of... How are you designing practices that are getting repetition without repetition, but also focusing on areas for development or strengths and turning strengths into super strengths? So I would often work on that, even if it is a specific practice. Is he getting an opportunity to work on his his range of kick or his volleys or when to throw long, when to throw short, how to initiate the counter or or whatever it may be, right? Um and then one of the other things I was going to say, which I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, is with the goalkeepers, whenever I train, anyone that knows me will see, will see this. I don't, it might be, just be a preference thing, but I'm big on like little micro details. So in the game, the keeper can't take, he doesn't take his gloves off, does he? he? He could do, I guess, if he wanted to, but he doesn't. But yet, I'll often see goalkeepers training practices and they don't wear gloves and they're joining in in the possession or in the rondo or, or whatever. So for me, whenever I have the goalkeepers, I always say to them, have your gloves on. Even if they're not necessarily doing anything with the hands, and it's not a game that involves players having to clip the ball into the hands or, or that they can catch, I still think that's a little thing of trying to make it more real to the game. That would be like my bugbearer, you know, a bit like some people might have a thing about shit pads. For me, it would be, you've got to wear your gloves. But yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Because you're the... You've obviously done goalkeeper training yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I would I would definitely agree. I, I guess you know, in some ways, the way I like to think about it is, you know, not 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 specifically, but it's almost like a, a fake it till you make it approach. Well, how, how, you know, if you, if you don't look the part, how are you going? How are you going to be the part when you finally get there? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of doing it's walking the walk as well as talking the talk, if you like. Um, on your way to the on your way to the the next place, wherever that right. is. Right. Getting into the, you know, getting a scholar, or getting into the first team, or whatever that environment is that you're stepping into next, you need to be, you need to be working as if you're already there. If that makes sense, um, that's kind of the mindset I always have, and I think it helps with visualization and just, just manifestation in terms of getting them in the right frame of mind. This is how it's going to feel because I guess for me, the way I look at it is, we need to be designing training sessions and practices and creating an environment that makes it feel like it's, if you like, a simulation of what they're actually going to be living breathing and working and when they finally get there if that makes sense or at least what they're working towards anyway and i think it's really important that piece and i think you know you talked about the micro details and i think where a lot of coaches in my opinion and observations i've made is that when it comes to the goalkeeper um i'll maybe throw out there and have a consideration to make you know you talked about it earlier about the, everyone's job to protect the goal but it's now also being more and more uh, prominent in terms of it's everyone's job to also now create a goal, and that includes the goalkeeper too. So you know maybe maybe we need to consider whether we whether we should even still be calling them a goalkeeper or a goal player instead. Someone who's someone who's that's a great point. You know, yes, their role is to you know protect the goal, and they might be the the head honcho at doing that. The same way as the you know the expectation will be from the strikers to score the goals. But actually, everyone can, everyone is going to be doing things both in and out of possession, regardless of their position. And maybe we need to start focusing on rather than positional elements, which is obviously if you've got the time and space available within your training programs and your weeks to be able to do that, then that's fantastic. But on a general level, if you are in an environment where it's limited, just maybe support the players a bit more with the understanding of just the in-possession and out-possession principles so that they're better equipped to just work within those things. And then as time goes on, we can start refining where needed. Um, but, you know, coming back to the initial piece, whether they should train separately or not, I definitely think there's going to be elements where they do need individual work. And it's just like an outfield player. If you've got a striker, they might be doing specific finishing tra- uh, finishing sessions. Or if you've got a midfielder, that'll be combination play or, or type of different types of passing and uh, overlapping runs and whatever those specifics might be. So I think there is it's, got, it's finding the right balance. But I think one of the key words that you used earlier, and I think has to remain constant and throughout everything is is there that context so if the players are doing practice a or practice b can they relate that practice to the game in a way where if you have to unfortunately work with a situation where you're it is unopposed by not by choice but just by circumstance then how well as a coach are you able to deliver that session and relate the context back to the players but then further beyond that not just explain the context, but ensure that the players have a true understanding of the context and how that practice then fits into the game itself. I love it. There's loads of really cool things you've said there. I mean, again, language plays such a huge role in coaching, doesn't it? And I know we can get bogged down with semantics sometimes, but you know, even that comment around, we had that question come in about treating the goalkeeper and outfield players. And we'll, we'll often use those words, won't we, ourselves? But actually, they're all outfield players because it's an 11th player. And, you know, you've made a great point. And I think if you look at the way that the game is now and how even more fluid attacking and, and universal it's becoming, 
with positions interchanging and what have you. I think a greater responsibility for coaches is to almost predict what will the future game look like? What rules do we anticipate will come in that could change how we think the goalkeeper or goal player, using your phrase, will be in the future? Because if we if we go back only, you know, previous years, obviously one of the biggest changes of the game was the introduction of the back pass, right? From going where he couldn't catch it to then being the, well, from, sorry, where he could until he couldn't, right? And even other rules that have been introduced. And I think that'll be an interesting tell in that how does the future goalkeeper or goal player look, especially when we consider other sports and, you know, you take futsal. Now the goalkeepers are so advanced in creating, the, you know, they're vacating the goal to create and exploit numerical superiority. Or even in, <laughs> in football we've seen, aren't we? We've seen start positions or moving positions where goalkeepers are beyond the halfway line. You know, so it's, yeah. that's it. And I think that goes back to the semantics piece that you mentioned before, doesn't it? And yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think there's, there's a really good, interesting piece there. And I think, you know, there's two aspects to that. The reality is we don't really know what the future game is going to look like. But one thing we do know and that history has shown us is that the principles will never change. So if we can educate and support players, whether they are goalkeepers or outfield players and understanding those principles, then... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success we can then explore with them rather than us necessarily dictating or, or, or specifically instructing them to do one thing or another, explore with them right, how best as an individual um, A, they can look at themselves and self-reflect and be more self-aware around what the skill sets they maybe have that can feed directly into those principles so as an example, you get some goalkeepers who are excellent distributing with their hands and maybe not as great with their feet, so then can they now utilise that as a weapon when they are now looking at penetration and things like that or vice versa, you know, there, there's going to be things that they're, that they're more skilled with out of possession. But it's, like I said, the one thing that's remained constant, regardless of all the changes within the game, no matter what changes or rule changes they might come across in, you know, 
the ultimate thing is the, the principles are never going to change. So the better we can educate and support the players in understanding those things from a younger age and um, throughout their journeys, I think that's given them the best platform possible. Whereas I think what typically happens is we spend so much time on our, you know, different techniques of, uh, for finishing or passing or, or dealing with different types of saves and whatever that might be. But the reality is those things are, they're just part of a toolbox. Um, and some of those tools might not be relevant for every single player because they might never actually get a true understanding or, or even they might have a different perception of the scenario that that tool might be most effective into what we might do, if that makes sense. You know, so I, I, and I always talk about this one instance that I had where I was working with a group of goalkeepers. Um, in my in my head, I had it as, right, it has to be done this way. And if I don't see it done this way, then, you know, there's something not quite right here. And I kind of had to, you know, humble myself a little bit and step back and just, just park my thoughts for a second. Because what was happening was I had six goalkeepers, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, they were, but they were from four different nations. All had different um, different physicalities, you know, in terms of their physical makeup. Some of them were taller, some of them were smaller, some of them were slightly larger than others. But they're all, you know, some of them from different countries, they're different upbringings, different cultural experiences, different backgrounds and different, you know, experiences in terms of how they've been coached and what they've, you know, what they view from the from the game perspective. But what I had to look at was actually the tasks that they've been set in this practice, how much success are they getting? Now, they were all getting success, but only one of them was doing it in what I would consider the right way, if you like, because that's the way that I anticipated it needing to be done in order to achieve success. And I guess what that experience really taught me is actually rather than being close-minded and having a, a perspective of, right, there's only one way to skin this cat, if you like, all six of these guys are doing it in their own way. Rather than me trying to trying to now affect and adapt that to a way that I would like to see it done, how about I study what they're doing and potentially try to understand why they are doing it in the way they're doing it. So for some, as an example, if I give a very basic one, might be looking at, a goalkeeper's starting position, right? A goalkeeper's starting position, as you've touched on earlier, they have three areas that they need to think about protecting, and that's the space in behind, so in terms of protecting the goal, effectively the near post, the far post, and the space in front. So can they affect all three areas? Now, for you, you might be six foot two, um, quite, 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 quite physical, and maybe not the quickest goalkeeper, so you might adopt a different position to someone who might be five foot nine and who's, you know, really rapid around the goal. And I think it's really starting as coaches to start to assess, right, OK, what are the, what's the makeup of the players that we're working with, both physically and, you know, not just physically, but in terms of their understanding and their perception of the game? Um, and then how can we now extract more information from them in a way where we are understanding and seeing of how they view the game and how their role plays a part in this game and, how, and what technical skills and abilities they then need to apply to get success in this situation, not only from their perspective, but what? How does that how does that differ or compare to what we think in that situation? And is there a middle ground, or is it a case of actually they're doing all right here, but they might just need a bit of a guidance, a bit of a refine here and refine there? Or is it actually this isn't quite working for them? But because I've now taken the time to go and work with several different players and understand several different techniques that work for several different reasons, it might be that right, Gerard you've been working with this technique which you've been coached for the past seven years because the coach that you've been working with has told you, right, this is how I want you to do things, Gerard. But it's never really felt quite comfortable or right for you. 
Now, all of a sudden, if we start to look at all the other goalkeepers that we work with that potentially have had success with different techniques, I now have one, two, three, four, potentially five different ways in, my, in the bank that I can throw at you to see what might, might work for you. And it might not even be any one of those five. It might be through experimenting with those five with you that you might start to pick out, right, actually, this one feels more comfortable, but I'm, we might need to tweak this a little bit over here. And it might be a combination of a few different styles and strategies, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think there's so much that you said there that was just popping in my mind that it's this relevance between that individual, the detail that we go into. We often talk about the game, but there's a little bit in there that's what's their game look like. And of course, coaches could go one step further and thinking, what what does the role of this, this individual look like as a keeper at under 10s, at under 11s, at under 12s? How is that different under 16s, under 18s, or even at the first team or international level? Because, of course, it will look different, as we know. So I think for coaches, it's going into those details around what type of shots are they getting. I mean, you alluded to it brilliantly. Where are they typically occupying? What type of scenarios are they facing? So it's, it's great that we can talk about the game, but actually, what does their game look like? And think about that when we're planning and designing these environments or we're thinking about our match day support, uh, which is key. 110%. And I think one of the key things you talked about is what does their game look like? And it's it, it's not just with goalkeepers, but it's with every single player. You know, I, I, you, I don't understand why... Oh, yeah. An under an under eight goalkeeper, as an example, would have to work with dealing with aerial crosses. How often do you see an aerial cross in an under eight game? If it does happen, it's probably a misplaced shot or or an overhit pass. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, it's very rare, so it's, it's, I think it's really key. That, you know, goalkeeper goalkeepers or not, coaches just look at the game. What's the game that that that, that player that you're working with, or those players that you're working with, are playing in? Because it might be a case that you know there might be some coaches who work specifically one-to-ones and small group sessions here rather than working in a team-based setting. But it's you know in order to really prioritise the outcomes of the player, we need to appreciate and understand the context that they're then expected to operate in. And I think that that that's paramount. So, but you know, coming back to the initial question, should goalkeepers train apart or with the team? Uh, I think it's finding the right balance. I think it's appreciating. What aspects of the program are we looking at? Are they working on something that is specifically just technical? But even then, in my opinion, I don't think I don't think players and goalkeepers should ever be separated because I think it's working with each other that helps give it that the, the meat on the bones in terms of the context and the visuals that that, that are required to get that get out from that. You know, you know, you we've been having a lot of discussions recently, and you know, you've been doing a lot of work around scanning things. It's the same thing applies regardless of what position you're in. Just scanning pieces where you know you're going to pick up that information, and if that information isn't present or those variables aren't present, where are you going to pick it up from? One hundred percent. Integration is key. <laughs> it's a it's a great way to finish it off. Um, questions. You know, if anyone's got any questions, listening in. Obviously, we've got last few minutes. Uh, we know schedule me and you, didn't we, to to make this really short and sweet. Uh, but, of course, we want it to be interactive as well. So, if anyone's got any questions or they want to ask anything to myself, Coach Yaz, or, or anyone in the room, you know, feel free to raise your hand. Is it Kadir? Hello. Uh, how are you guys today? Very well, thank you. Yourself? I'm good. I'm good. 
I wanted to ask you guys uh, something based on the topic we're talking about on uh, goalkeepers, you know. I wanted to see uh, on the coach's view, when you guys are planning out the game, right, like and you guys are about to have a game and you're thinking about everything and now it comes down to the formation. Do you guys pick formations based on how good, uh, not counting like the outfield players, but the goalie? Let's say your goalkeeper isn't too good. You're not going to, you know, be three in the back. You're most likely going to pick a four in the back or even a CDM to support the goalkeeper, you know? Do you guys uh, think about those factors when you're building formations as a coach? I, I mean, I'll give you my view first, and I think Gerald will probably have, have uh, quite a, quite different views to me as well. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. I think for me, first and foremost, it depends on what level of the game you're working at. It depends whether you're working with youth players or adult players. Um, and it, it generally depends on whether it's, for me, a, a, a participation uh, environment, whether it's a performance environment or just, you know, a blend of the two. So I think a really important piece is actually understanding the environment and, and the outcomes for it first. Um, if at the same time you're saying you might have a poor, use your example, you might have a poor goalkeeper, uh, you might you might actually potentially put back put a back three because you might actually give them a bit more repetition of live game scenario work where they can actually practice in the game. Now, it might not always come out um, as good as you'd like it or as effective and they might not always necessarily make all the saves, but you um, if you really want to test the player and you really want to see what they can achieve, you, you know, you've got to give them the opportunity to be put in the situations. I know, I know plenty of players who, when it comes to training, they might be very good in training, but they might not be as effective in games. But the reality is, is because the training doesn't relate effectively and mirror the games in a way where they can actually, you know, see the same situations, if you like. And there's many people that, you know, perform well in games, but aren't always the best trainers because they, you know, they thrive off the pressure in different ways and things like that. So I think the first piece to really understand is the context that they're working in um, and what the individual needs as a goalkeeper. So, you know, I think you'll, you'll agree and you probably in that goalkeepers are hard to come by, never mind good ones, whether, you know, no matter what level you're working at. Um, so I think it's really important to understand that sometimes you might have a goalkeeper and just as you were outfield players, if they don't fit your system, they don't fit your system. But obviously, depending on the environment you're working in, whether they fit your system or not is irrelevant if the, if it's just a participation environment as opposed to a performance one. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, like, especially when I was in, uh, like, high school soccer when I was playing, uh, like, for me, like, when I, I was captain as well for my team, and my coach would always come up to me before the game. He's like, uh, you know, he would always ask me uh, my thoughts on the game before the game if he thinks that I should do this and that. You know, like, because I'm the captain, so I got to help the coach out with the little stuff. And, you know, he tells me, uh, do you think we need support here? We need support there. You know, he just gives me a bit of his brain and I give him some of my brain so we can a little have a little brainstorm before the game, you know. And so I just think that you might be able to have a you might have a keeper that's technically gifted on his feet that can distribute the wall, uh, ball very good so you might want to get uh fullbacks like you might even push them out to be uh wingbacks you know maybe if the keeper is that good at distributing but if the keeper is uh good on his feet you might do this something different you know basically whatever the keeper is good at you might change your tactics based on that because you know that's just strong i mean if you have a good offense but a bad defense or a bad goalie it's just not going to work out so you got to be good you got basically you got to start from the back, you know, so uh, it's, it all starts from the keeper for me, at least. I think if you have a solid plan from the back, everything will eventually come through, you know, so it's just, yeah. It's interesting. Great question. I mean, my question to you, and it comes back to that phrase that 
both me and Yaz have used tonight is that context. And I was going to ask you, you know, what's your context? What level are you working at? Because I reiterate the same thoughts that, that Yaz shared, to be honest. And that's, you know, people talk about tactics and formations and things like that. But actually, and we can get bogged down with, with some of the formation things. But, you know, it, it comes back to principles and you've got to be careful. You know, if you're talking about a system, normally I would design stuff around the team. So I won't necessarily yeah. go in with my preference. I base whatever platform I create to help that team. Your question was around, obviously, that consideration with a goalkeeper. And I think, as Yaz said, depends on the level you're coaching at. But of course, mm-hmm. you know, I would be looking at things as an opportunity. If I'm not working at, um, you know, we had Lee Carsley on before who was listening. If you're not working at international level or, you know, necessarily a pro level where it's about that result and what have you. And even then, there's still development, don't forget. But, yeah. you know, where there's millions of dollars on the line. That would be a great opportunity to go, wow, like he's not so good at this. That's great. So there's sometimes by protecting people, you're potentially doing more harm, more damage. You know, so actually, I mean, we would do this often without full players. We might say, what a great duel this player's going to get because he's not, this defender isn't very good at defending in wide areas. And he's very, he struggles against defending against a quick forward. Some yeah. coaches at grassroots level go, oof, I'm not doing that. Move yeah. him on the, you know, put someone else stronger there because they'll win the game. That's great. And yeah. sometimes that has a place as well. That's managing game tactics. And it's very difficult to have those conversations with parents. I'm assuming the level, you know, we're all working at, I guess, here. Because there'll be parents going, why have you done that? We lost the game. But actually, yeah. that child needs that opportunity to deal with that 1v1 in wide areas or whatever it may be. No different to the goalkeeper. So if he's not so strong at a certain area... I might not go, I'm going to have to protect him. Of course, you yeah. don't want to set him up to fail, you know, and, and struggle and lack confidence because if he's getting goals going in and he's struggling, then the team are getting morale and that's part of it, of course. But equally, there's an opportunity to see the game and create games within games. So it shouldn't be that the outcome of the result determines how we coach that player. But actually, it should be what process or what what learning journey can we create? What game can we create within the game? So for this keeper, it might be he's not very good at recognising when to play long, when to play short. So you might set him a challenge or her a challenge around how many times can they play short, how many times can they play long, or he always kicks it long. So you might limit him. You can only go long three times in the first half. Once you've used your three, you're out of lives. I don't know, it's up to you, but you're giving them an idea of going, they've got to be selective. Oh, maybe i go there or, or it might be they need to get better at shot stopping and one-on-ones coming out. Great, because they're going to get loads of opportunities of that in this game. And that gives a coach an opportunity to support that child. So yeah. I'd be looking at it as uh, seeing the game as a learning extension, really. You know, um, But yeah, context is key. Yeah, and uh, another thing. Uh, uh, so basically, I play as a right back. Uh, like I played right back my senior year of high school. Well, I played all four years, but... My senior year of high school, uh, I moved to a new school, and the team that we're working with is very solid. Like, we're good all around, but our keeper, it's his first year being a keeper. But keep in mind, he's very good, but 
how to explain it. He's not, he wasn't good on his feet. He was just like a, you know, a clinical saver. Like he would save you, you know what I mean? But on the feet, I mean, like if you pass him the ball. So personally me, on my like when I was playing high school, freshman, uh, sophomore and junior years, I would, you know, I was able to trust my keeper because he was good on the feet. But then when we came to this new school, I would still obviously want to trust the keeper. But after my coach would tell me, you know, we can't take the risk and pass it back to the keeper because he's not good on his feet. You know, obviously you got to listen to the coach. But, you know, the thing is, like, as a right back, you need you need to find your opportunities to, like, you got to distribute the ball as perfect as possible. If it's to your wingers, if it's to switch the play to the other side of the field, whatever the case might be for me the best way to like slow down and, you know, restart is to give it back to the goalkeeper, you know, and start all over again. But if your keeper lacks that, you know, it's like a big X on your plan making because you can't really do much well, you just, to clear the ball, you know. You've made a great point there that we could even finish on, which is that, yeah, yeah. So there's a great point you've made there, which is some coaches will coach in such a way that they're delaying the problem for somebody else. And I think that's criminal. Like, that is literally crimes to soccer, crimes to football. Whether it's the keeper can't uh, very good goal kicks, doesn't have the length, so he isn't taking the goal kick, someone else is. Or if it's, oh, we're not going to pass back to him or her because we can't trust him. But all you're doing there is delaying a problem for another year and for another coach. When actually we should be seeing that as an opportunity. It goes back to that point before games have been games. Try and train them. So, yeah. No, great stuff. Mm -hmm. Just, just one point to add to that. Uh, so what do you think, yeah? yeah, just one final point to add to that. Oh yeah, off the, off the back of what you've just said, I think it's not necessarily always delaying the problem, but it, I think the question to really consider is not are you delaying the problem. The question for a lot of coaches is are they even aware of how to potentially solve or you know resolve the issue that they're facing at this point in time? Because I think a lot of it goes to, in my observations, as coaches maybe not understanding the technical aspect of it or understanding how to maybe put it right so they kind of just gloss over it and just shift it in a right another direction but you know that's that's definitely something that you know a topic that we can be discussing another day um but you know i think you know really really top question that you know that's come through in terms of in terms of the topic for tonight some really great insights you know but i think you know it's really interesting to hear your perspectives in and obviously you know, i'm really, really pleased to be able to share mine as well and get um a couple of listeners in the in the room and have some questions in there as well no, brilliant. It's been great. Obviously, thanks to everyone who tuned in, and it's great that it's been recorded. And I think uh, there's been some really cool messages shared, right? So hopefully that sparks a little bit of curiosity in people. If any of you listening out have any questions for us, please feel free to drop us a DM. Let us know. Amazing. Thanks. Take care, everyone. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, 
or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.